come a time in every man's life when he decides that he no longer needs anybody's help. Okay? Right now, I got four boys, and you know what? They need help for everything. But I have noticed that Donald, our oldest, little by little, he's wanting to be a little bit more independent. You know, he wants to pour. Now, this is great this morning. Like, if it's only a little bit of milk left, he can pour it. But today, he's like a full jog, and he needed my help. So I felt pretty good. I'm like, okay, I can help my son. But most of the time, Donald can, he'll put pancakes in the microwave and heat them up, and he'll do this. He's getting more independent. And there comes a time in every man's life as they get to a certain age when suddenly they don't want anybody's help. You know, if they, you know, the wife says, hey, she asked for directions. Like, no, no, I think I, I can figure this one out, okay? And I think all of us have been there, right? I, can, I don't need no directions, okay? I don't even need the GPS. I don't need to ask this local. I'll, I'll figure this out. I, I got this internal GPS, you know, uh, from, from, <laughs> from my, my dad is for, for this one. You know, uh, lifting a piece of heavy equipment, a, a fridge or uh, a bookshelf maybe or <laughs> uh, something like that. We, we suddenly don't need help. I got it, I got it. It's not that bad. I got straps, I can, I can lift this myself and things like that and we don't want anybody's help. You know, uh, uh, putting a boat in the water, backing up a boat trailer into the water. It's like, I'm not, I'm not letting anyone do this. This is my boat, this is my truck, I'm doing this. And if it was me, I'd be the one that's like, turned the wrong way and the boat trailer would be, but, but no one wants any help. Um, you know, you have kids changing a diaper. You know, I'll still take help with that sometimes. Um, and I know I've seen new dads do that as well, but um, I think the only time that men would admit that they really, really need help is when they're sick. Okay, you get that man flu, you're like, I definitely need help. I'm, I'm telling you, we know how we can get, or so I've been told. And, and, and we may call it man pride, you know, that's just my man pride. But truth, truth be told, at the end of it all, when we decide that we don't need anybody's help, it is a form of pride. It's in our nature to be self-reliant as people, as humans. To be self-reliant, to, to want to prove ourselves. That's in our nature. We want to prove ourselves. We want to think that, that we know best. We, we, we want to trust in our own talent and ability. Especially if, if God's given us talent and ability. We, want, we, we start to, to trust in that and, 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 and to trust in our own power and our own intelligence and things that we've learned and things that we've been taught. And, and we, we are self-reliant people. It's in our nature, self-dependent. And because of that truth, because of that worldwide truth, a very important part of our worship is often weakened because of our pride, because of our desire to be the smartest person in the room, because of our self-trust, a part of our worship, a very important part of our worship is often weakened. And that is that we don't pray. We don't pray. We have been given the greatest opportunity in all of mankind to communicate with the creator of the universe. We have been given that privilege. Jesus died for the relationship that we so often are apathetic about. Think about that. We have connection to the Father because of Jesus Christ. Amen. And oftentimes, we have that opportunity, and you know what we do? We don't use it. We don't care much about it. He is the way to the Father and all that He went through. He died for that relationship. Yes, so that we could spend eternity with Him. But so here on earth, here in this fallen world, we have a way out. We have a rescue. But we're apathetic about it. We can talk to God. Do you hear that? Sometimes I say things and I'm like, I don't even realize what I'm saying. I don't realize the, 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 the hugeness of the statement. I can talk to God. 
my heavenly father. And he really is my heavenly father. Do I even realize what I'm saying when I say that? Do you know what I think this day? Do I even realize I'm talking to my heavenly father? To be honest, for me, I don't always see it like it really is. Because it's been a part of my life for so long. We don't pray. Our prayer lives, unfortunately, oftentimes, are completely empty. <laughs> Meaningless. They're just vain repetitions. Things that we say all the time. Things that we just kind of go through. They, they lack heart. And I'm talking about myself today, church, too. They lack depth. In some cases, maybe our prayer life is completely non-existent because just praying before meals and, and things like that, that doesn't, that's not a prayer life. Listen, lost people probably pray before meals sometimes. They're, they're empty. It's meaningless. We don't live lives of prayer. We, we don't carry around an attitude of prayer. We, we, we treat prayer more like, like Tylenol. You know, using it only when it's necessary, when, when we just can't bear it anymore. And I got to take, you know, get a headache and it's like, ah, I better take something for it. And, and, and we treat prayer like that. We only go to it when it's just completely 100% in our minds necessary. I got nowhere else to go. It's like a last resort. When instead prayer should be treated like, like water. Knowing that without it, we're going to perish. We can worship God through prayer. You look at the book of Psalms. We've been talking about the book of Psalms and looking through it about worship. And, and, and yes, it's their songbook. But do you notice that throughout all the Psalms, whoever's the author, especially when David's writing the Psalms, it's a prayer. It's prayer. It's worshipful prayer. Worship is prayer. When we sing to God, when, we, when we're singing together, song, listen, we're, we're talking to Him. That's prayer. Worshipful prayer. Psalm 100. You look, you look at what it says. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. You see worship even in those verses. But look what it says. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Worship and prayer. Go together, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Worship and prayer are one and the same. They're one and the same. I want to read some lyrics. We're going to sing this song at the end, but, but I sometimes think that when we sing songs that we know so well, we don't even think about the words, and that happens so often. I'm trying myself and, and as a church to, when we sing to think what we're singing, but I understand it's easy sometimes to just sing it because we know the tune. And this is a very, very old song. It's a beautiful old hymn. And I want to read words. You, you, you probably know this song. But as I was practicing, because we're going to sing it at the end, me and my heart just was overwhelmed with just joy and with peace and just think about what we have in prayer. It's called Sweet Hour of Prayer. You know that song? It's an old song. I love this song. Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour of Prayer that, that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, which we've all faced those, haven't we? My soul has often found relief Amen. and oft escaped the tempter's snare. I never saw that, that line singing it as a kid, as a teenager, even as a young adult, and I thought about that. You know, it is prayer that will get us through times of temptation, won't it? Right. 
It, it is. It's resting in Christ. By thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. The joys I feel, the bliss I share of those whose anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return. With such I hasten to the place where God my Savior shows his face and gladly take my station there and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. Thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness Engage the waiting soul to bless. I love this. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace. I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share. Till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height, and I remember thinking, what is Mount Pisgah? Where is that even? I, did, I looked it up and saw that it was, it was that mountain where, where you could see the promised land where Moses, and I thought, oh, that's what it is. It's looking ahead to, to heavens till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height, I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. And I love this. And shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Because you know, when we get to heaven with Christ, we won't need to pray because he's going to be right there. I was singing this song and practicing. I'm like, man, I was getting all emotional. Like, hallelujah for prayer, for the opportunity to talk to God. I was pumped up. But so often, still, our prayer lives are just very empty. They're hollow. How is worship prayer? How, how, how could that be? Well, I want you to consider a few things. Listen, real prayer requires humility. Real, authentic, genuine prayer requires humility. And humility is worship. Humility is worship. Because true humility is acknowledging that in every moment we are in desperate need of God's ever-present, spirit-transforming grace. When I finally get to the end of myself, or even before I get to the end of myself, when I just decide, listen, I can't walk through this world alone. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. I need Christ. I need God. Acting in humility, living in humility is saying, I'm not going to worship myself anymore. I'm going to worship God. Uh, so to pray to God is to say, I'm not trusting in me anymore. I'm trusting in you. And that is humility. Realizing how little we have to offer in the grand scheme of things. It is Christ in us. Humility is worship. Prayer abandons independence. It just, it just, no, I'm not going to do this on my own. Prayer acknowledges weakness. Listen, as, especially as guys, and I know women are like this too, but especially guys, we don't ever want to acknowledge any weakness. We don't. We don't want anyone to know where we struggle or if we struggle. But prayer, true, honest, authentic prayer, acknowledges weakness. It abandons independence. Listen, that is why the worship we practice in prayer is just not natural for us. It's not natural for us to embrace our sin and our weaknesses and our failure. It's not. What is natural is for us to think that we are better than we actually are. And to look at our righteousness and, and, and really think it's something. When the Bible says that they're as filthy rags. But, but it's natural for us to say, I'm not that bad of a guy. Tough stuff. Psalm 51.5, David, 
man after God's own heart, said, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. David, Psalm 51, we know when he wrote that psalm, it was right after he got caught. He got caught doing some real dumb things. And it's easy to say, I can't believe David would do that. But we live lives of sin as well. But we don't want to act like it. We, we, if a friend comes to us and starts to tell us, say, I need to talk to you. We're like, oh, okay. And then we suddenly realize the conversation begins that they're getting ready to tell us something about ourselves. And you know what happens naturally for us? We start to, in our minds, as we're listening there, trying to look like we're not upset, listening to them, we start to think of these, uh, this self-defense mechanism just kind of kicks in, and we start to think, well, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, or he doesn't really know the whole story. And you know what we do? We start getting this complete defense mode, thinking that we're something. And without Christ, we are nothing. It's acknowledging our weaknesses and our failures and our sin and knowing that without Christ, we're nothing. Prayer is giving up all other objects of worship and giving myself to the worship of God alone. That is prayer. That is real prayer. And it's rooted in worship. Prayer is rooted in worship. They go together. A couple things I want to share with you. Prayer acknowledges God's existence. That's what prayer does. True prayer. Not just habitual, vain repetitions. I'm talking about true, genuine prayer. It acknowledges God's existence. This is the bottom line of true prayer. Recognizing and believing that there is someone bigger than me. That there is someone bigger in this life than you, and it's God. Why on earth would we pray to God if we thought we were his, if he thought he was our equal? We wouldn't. So prayer is saying, I need something else. I need somebody else. I need God. The, the beginning of the Bible, in the beginning, God. Those four words, man, that is, that is acknowledging God. That, that should be at the forefront of our mind every time we pray. Just the fact that God is real, and He's always been here, and He always will be here. It's acknowledging God's existence. Prayer bows to the glory of God. And this is a requirement of true prayer, bowing to the glory of God. We have got to understand and believe that nothing, that, that no created glory in this physical world will ever satisfy our hearts. Nothing in this world. No, no, no created glory, no person, no relationship, no job, no location, nothing will ever satisfy our hearts. Our hearts are only restfully content when we live for the glory of God. You may find some seasons of happiness in the things that you acquire in this life, but you will never be truly, restfully content unless you're living for the glory of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's only found in Him. Listen. Personal examples, not in my notes, I just thought of it. Marissa and I could go to the ends of the world, and we would, to try to get Seth as much help as we possibly could for him to be the best version of himself that he can be. And you know what? After, let's just say after 10 years of 
traveling the country and going to different programs and doing this and buying this and trying this thing and trying the iPad and trying all these different things that you can do to try to help a, a nonverbal autistic child to talk and to communicate. And if at the end of it all, he still couldn't talk and he still wasn't potty trained and he still had the same struggles, you know what? We could still be restfully content. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. It's only in him seeking his glory and resting in his decisions. Prayer bows to the glory of God. Prayer submits to God's plan. Prayer is not asking God to, to endorse and resource uh, my plan for my life. True worshipful prayer is recognizing that the one who made this world, including you, including me, knows what is best for us, for you. That's true worshipful prayer recognizing that God knows best. It's not filling out a list and asking God to sign. You've heard that probably a thousand times. And I've heard that a thousand times growing up. You, know, you don't just give God a list and have him sign at the end. But I never heard this second half of it which says, prayer is, is giving God a blank sheet with your signature at the bottom and asking him to fill it. Saying, whatever you say, I will do. That is true prayer. And this next thought was a tough pill for me to swallow personally. Prayer is more than just handing God a wish list and letting Him know that you're thankful He exists and has the power to deliver. This thought crossed my mind and I thought, that's how I live so often. That's, that's, my, that's my address where I live when it comes to prayer. It's just... Lord, I need this, and, and we have needs. I want this, and I, and I need this, and, and, and I'm so glad that you have the power to deliver on that. And thank you for being who you are, Lord. And that's, that's sometimes what all my prayer is, is just giving him my list and letting him know that I'm thankful that he's there and that he exists and, and that he has the power to deliver. And you know what that kind of prayer does? It puts me right at the center, treating God like nothing more than a, than a divine waiter. And in times like that, you know what? In times like that, it's not God that I want. It's not His wisdom that I see myself needing in those moments. It's not His grace that my heart craves in that moment. That, that kind of prayer in my life essentially says, I know what's best for my life, and I'd appreciate it, God, if you would use your might to make it happen. I said it's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> I'm telling you. God, I know what's best for my life, so if you could just use your power to make it happen, I'd really appreciate it. Hey, Lord, uh, if you could just give us this building now, uh, I'm telling you, we would do great things for you. Lord, if you could just let my son start communicating, uh, that would be really helpful. And we just kind of give him these things like, this is what's best for me. I know what's best for me. It's common sense, God. How do you not see this? Why is it taking so long? That is selfish prayer. God knows more about what I need than me. And it's easy to forget that. God knows more about what I need than me. Isn't that hard? It kind of, it sounds like it doesn't make sense, but it's true. I forget that so often. I forget it so often. True prayer. It does include making requests of God, by the way. I'm not saying you just never ask everything. The Bible does say, casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. But the requests of true prayer 
always include surrender and, and celebration. They always include surrender and celebration, those requests in true prayer, because that is what keeps our requests from being just selfish uh, uh, demands or, or bitter complaints. When there is surrender, when there is celebration of God's grace. We're talking about celebration in a few, in a, in a few point, or the next point, actually. It is the grace of God that gives us the desire to pray. That's the, it's the grace of God. Listen, without the grace of God, we wouldn't care. It is the grace of God that even gives us the desire to pray and, and that, that shows us that we can go to God in prayer and that we can come before His throne boldly. It's the grace of God that shows us that and tells us that and, and the promise that He will answer. He, he's not not going to answer. He may not be the answer we want, but because of the grace of God, we know we can go to Him and we have that desire to pray and, and we know the promise that He's going to answer. Prayer submits to God's plan. And it also celebrates God's grace. Listen, in true prayer, we, we rejoice at the fact that we do have a Heavenly Father. We rejoice in that. We, we, I'm amazed at His almighty power that, that can meet my needs. In true prayer, I'm celebrating the grace of God. Uh, you celebrate His grace that forgives and, and grace that rescues and grace that transforms and grace that enables and grace that delivers. We celebrate that grace. You rejoice in the fact that you don't have to look for life in the people, in the situations and locations around you, but you've been given life. Life eternal. Life more abundant in Jesus Christ. We don't have to look for life in everything around us. And in this created world, we, can, we have life. We've been given life through Jesus Christ. We celebrate God's grace in true prayer, in that worshipful prayer. Prayer rests in God's provision. True prayer isn't spoken in a panic, but in a spirit of trust and rest. Look at Job. Job lost everything. We, we read in the first few chapters, he lost everything. And what does he do? He gets in sackcloth and ashes, and he goes, and he says, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. There, were, there was no panic in Job's voice in that early time. And I know you can read the rest of the book of Job, and a lot, a lot more conversation between him and the Lord. But right there, in the forefront of his problems, he just worships. We're going to talk uh, about a story in the Bible, I believe, next week or the week after about King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 when the enemies were coming to attack them. And what it, the, the Ammonites, the Moabites, they were all coming to, to, to attack the city of Judah and destroy them and to kill them. And what does King Jehoshaphat do? He gathers the people together and they worship and they pray. They say, Lord, you've taken care of us before and we don't know what to do, but we're trusting you to take care of us now. There's no panic there. I know that He is near. I know that He is faithful. And I know that He's willing to meet my every need. And because of that, I'm going to rest in God's provision. And listen, I'm going to say, Lord, I, I, it's, it's a tight month, and, and you know we got these bills coming up, and I'm just going to rest in your provision. And then when God provides, we rejoice. And then sometimes when the money doesn't come in on time, we still rejoice because we know that God has a plan for it. It's not like, oh, this didn't happen, so now uh, God messed up, or God forgot. No, 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 no. Whatever happens out of our control, listen, I'm just going to rest in God. He's going to take care of us. I said it last week. I've said it the past few weeks. Listen, 
We're, we're working towards this building. We got the blueprints. We're going to pay for the blueprints because we have to. <laughs> and and listen, I'm, I'm, we're pushing forward. And if for some reason, three weeks down the road, uh, they say, well, we cannot give you permits because this and that, and you cannot meet here. And all that money we've already spent, all the time we've spent, you know what we're going to have to do? Rejoice right. and worship Him and trust Him. Who, who am I to say, well, God... But this is the perfect place. Why would you do this to us? You, you, you got it wrong here. No, 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 no. God is never wrong. I have to rest in Him no matter what. Psalm 77, I want to read it to you, and I have the verses on the, on the screen. Psalm 77. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I have the, the verses on the screen. Psalm 77. This is a psalm of prayer. And, and we're gonna, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to read straight through it. But then I'm going to show you some things that we see in this prayer. And then we'll be done. Psalm 77. So just read along on the screen in your Bibles. And, and, and uh, just see this prayer. And see kind of the direction this prayer takes. It says in verse 1, I, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My, my sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah, thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I called to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fa uh, fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, uh, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Verse 16. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path is in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And that is Psalm 77, a psalm of prayer. And you know what we see in Psalm 77? First of all, we see humility in the face of fear, in the face of struggle and pain, the first nine verses or so. Let's see if I can get back there. In the first nine verses, you see, you see the author of the psalm coming to God. Coming to God saying, I got nothing. <laughs> Look at the first nine verses. He's like, I, 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 I can't sleep. Uh, I, I, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. I cried unto Him. I complained. Uh, my spirit was overwhelmed. I cannot even speak. He says, I, I, I'm up all night. You know, and then he starts asking, I mean, where is God? And, and you see humility in him saying, I can't do this. I got nothing. 
Then we see in verse 10, we see the admittance of, of his weakness. In verse 10, he says, this is my infirmity. He's like, this is where I'm at. This is who I am. I'm crying. I'm upset. I can't sleep. I got trouble. I'm overwhelmed. I'm complaining. And you see the admittance of his weakness, but then you see the recognition of the one who can deliver in those same verse. He says, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. He says, I will remember the works of the Lord in verse 11. Verse 12, he says, I will meditate also of thy work and talk of thy doings. And then we see in the next few verses, 13 through 15, we see worship and praise, honor and glory, giving to God celebration of God's grace as he says, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Uh, you're the God that does wonders. You've declared thy strength among the people. With thine arm, you've redeemed thy people. And you see worship and praise. And in the last few verses, you see his power magnifies. He talks about the power of God and his voice thundering and the lightning and all these things. And we just see in this psalm alone, and it's throughout the whole book of Psalms and throughout the whole Bible, through the scriptures, you see humility in prayer. You see admittance of weakness. And you see worship. And you see saying, God, you're what I need here. It's your power that delivers. It's your grace that, that, that enables me to be who I'm supposed to be for you. That is true prayer. Prayer is laying down your idols and kneeling before God in humble and joyful worship. That is prayer. Think of that statement. It's laying down your idols. Whether that idol uh, 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 is your busyness or your job or yourself. It's saying it's not about me. I'm done just giving you the wish list. And this is all the things I need and want. Take care of it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. I love you. It's more, it, I'm, I'm casting that away. It's laying down your idols and saying, God, whatever it is that you throw my way, whatever it is that you give me, Lord, you, he, he knows already before we even ask them. We know that. Kneeling before God in humble and joyful worship. Prayer is so vitally important. And it's important for us as a church, too. Yes, number one, the whole message is about our personal prayer lives, but even as a church. Listen, there's going to come a time when I, I'm going to want to have a prayer meeting. We're going to have a prayer meeting, you know, whether it's a day of the week or whatever. But I want us to be a church, not only that worships, but we pray, a praying church that, that, that realizes that without prayer, we're nothing. We need to depend upon God. And next week, we're going to talk even more about why we need prayer, why we need prayer. So this week, today, from this message is a springboard. Let us pray with humble worship. Pray with humble worship, with pure motives, with grateful spirits, with, with honest admissions of self. You know, let's not try to bring our... Listen, not only do we need to confess our sin, but some of us need to confess our righteousness. <laughs> See, I've been, I've been counting on my own righteousness to, to make me feel good about myself, and I'm, I'm giving that to you, Lord. My, there is filthy rags. Uh, it's your righteousness that I need, that I've been given. Honest admissions of self and praying with, with trusting hearts. I'm going to rest in you, Lord. I'm going to rest in you. Listen, to try to preach a message on prayer, it, it would be a, a year-long series. This is, just, this is just scratching the surface, just barely. But I hope that personally and as a church, we can look at what the Word of God says and we can look at the truths found in the Word of God about worshipful prayer and apply them in our lives, in our lives, and go forward uh, with, with true, authentic, worshipful prayer. Maybe it's going to take breaking some bad habits. For me, 
breaking some bad habits of just kind of habitually saying the same things over and over again and not really thinking about what I'm doing and forgetting who, forgetting who I'm actually talking to. And had to break and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want this to be real. And I need you. And it's about you. So let's go forward praying with humble worship, pure motives, grateful spirits, honest admission of self, and trusting hearts. It's about worship. Heard about eyes are closed.